welcome to the Dr. Sex Fairy Podcast. I am Dr. Kaval Baba and I am here to transform your life. I am here to spread the word about both intimate and sexual wellness and to start a revolution of sorts. I lead with science and help people from all over the world lead better lives. In fact, I recently launched my TikTok account, Dr. Sex Fairy, which has become a major hit. At the time of this recording, I am only three weeks in and have over 16 million views. More than 35,000 videos have already been shared by users who want their friends and family to learn what I'm teaching and to see the light. If you don't already follow me on TikTok, make sure you follow me at Dr. Sex Fairy today. I help people from all over the world achieve incredible orgasms at my Boca Raton, Florida medical practice, Bava Medical. I do O shots for women which are literally orgasm shots, P-shots for men, acoustic wave therapy for both, vaginal lasers, penis enlargement, and even labial rejuvenation. After all, you must love all your lips. Today's episode is about the human orgasmic potential, and I have with me in the studio Susan Bratton, who refers to herself as the orgasmonaut. Susan travels to the outer reaches of the human orgasmic potential, to bring back the map to the territory of pleasure and connection. Susan is both an author and a coach. She has authored and published 34 books and programs, including Relationship Magic, Revive Her Drive, the Steamy Sex Ed Video Collection, and her Amazon number one international bestseller, Sexual Soulmates, The Six Essentials for Connected Sex, Over 1,250,000 copies of her books have been enjoyed by lovers worldwide. Susan is going to talk to us today about all things orgasm. Welcome, Susan. I am delighted to have you on the Dr. Sex Fairy podcast. Dr. Kavalbaba, how are you today? I'm doing great. How do you manage to sound sexy even when you speak like that? (laughs) So much to learn. I was singing your name. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Now, you are such, um, you know, an inspiration to many. You have a long-term marriage, which is extremely gratifying, both personally on a, on a relationship level, as well as sexually. Mm-hmm. And you have taken it upon yourself to help people from around the world reach their orgasmic potential. Mm-hmm. And that's truly a wonderful thing. We're both breaking barriers in that sense, because it's such a hush-hush topic otherwise. It really is. It was funny. I was um, I was just talking to a friend of mine, another doctor, and, and he said that uh, he had started doing mouth taping at night and he was so excited that his nighttime erections had come back because, you know, when you when you breathe through your nose while you sleep instead of your mouth, you create nitric oxide, which is so important for sexual function. And he was so excited at, at 53 that he was having nighttime erections again. And he he went in and he was telling a friend and the friend was like, um, that's weird. And I said, Harry, you could have told me that I would have been jumping up and down in happiness for you. I mean, <laughs> it's a shame that we don't celebrate our sexuality more. So I, I'm appreciative that you and I are kindred spirits, Kabul. Absolutely. And, you know, so many people say to me that I'm losing my mind or what's left of it anyway, uh, (laughs) by discussing sexual medicine and practicing it so openly. And, you know, it is what it is. I'm helping people. You're helping people. And today I'm sure we'll help more with this great discussion I know is ahead of us. So you are quite the orgasm expert. I help people medically and you help them in other ways. 
Now, yeah. you have talked about multiple kinds of orgasms. Now, there are mm-hmm. three main kinds of orgasms, according to you, and what are they? Yeah, there are, you know, one day I decided last summer, I decided to sit down and make a list of all the kinds of orgasms that the human body could have. And I was, I wanted to see if there were women could have more or men could have more because I think about the human body, the homo sapien that we are as we have the same parts arranged in different order. You know, we, you learn in medical school about homologous structures, you know, um, and I thought to myself, well, even if we have basically the same equipment arranged in different order, that must mean that men can have as many orgasms as women. Is it true? And I made a list and lo and behold, I came up with 20 kinds of orgasms that the human body can have. And the number and number 20 is actually what I call wild card. So it means that there are orgasms that I don't know about yet that people are having that are path pathways to orgasm that I'm just not even aware of yet. I've been doing this for about two decades and I've realized that sexuality is a vast landscape and that there's always more to be had, more, ple- more pleasure, more joy, more knowledge, more skills, et cetera. And so when I made the list of the 20, kinds of orgasms. I said, oh, okay, well, these really fit into three clusters, three types of orgasm. The first is locations on your body you can touch, like the clitoris, the penis. There are techniques that you can use. For example, erotic hypnosis, the the touchless orgasm, orgasming on command. These are three phrases for the same basic concept. That's a that's a technique that you would use, not a location you would touch. And then the third type of orgasm is orgasms that are generated from toys, tools, objects of desire. You could think about fetishware or vibrators as being those types of things. And so there are three types and so far 20 kinds of orgasm that I've discovered. That is incredible. Now, why don't you tell us about some of those orgasms? I'm curious. I know I've discussed them with you before, but I'm sure there's a lot I can learn. <laughs> well, there's a lot I can learn. I'm always learning. So, you know, that's that's the thing about sexuality. Um, people think that you're supposed to know what you're doing. Well, we humans have figured out how to procreate. We can pretty much figure out what what goes into what to make the baby. But that's that's not sex. And se- sex for procreation is different than sex for pleasure. And not that they're mutually exclusive. And what I like to say that I do is I transform having sex into making love. So my particular, I run a publishing company and a supplement company, and my particular brand, if you will, of, of, of work that I do with the 35, 40 books and programs that I've published over the years is really what I would call passionate lovemaking techniques. Um, I teach orgasm skills. I teach um, communi- bedroom communication skills. And of course, the third leg of that stool, which is the place where you and I meet, is in sexual health, regenerative medicine, et cetera, for keeping the body in 
good shape so we can have ageless sexuality. Because one of the things about sex is you get better and better and better as you age. Older people are better lovers than younger people because we've learned more, we've done more, we've had more experiences. So you definitely get better over time. So the the 20 kinds of orgasms is really less about me wanting you to feel like, oh my God, there's more I have to do. Are you telling me I've got to do 20 kinds of orgasms? It's not that. If it makes you feel overwhelmed, I don't want you to. It's just that I like to give people, I like to create lists so you can kind of get a sense of what the possibilities are and, and then choose your own adventure. So for women and men, there are a few that are the same. For example, um, orgasms generated from fantasy play or from fetish or orgasms from sex toys. Those are very similar between the masculine and feminine body. Sensation play and impact play, things like spanking and flogging and things like that. Um, those are all shared orgasmic opportunities for either the XX or XY chromosome body. I, I, I try to be... I try not to say the man and the woman or the male and the female in some ways, because gender expression is really, it can be all over the map and people can change their gender expression, but you can't change your chromosomes. So XX is when you're born with a vulva and XY is when you're born with a penis. And after you, after you're born and whatever you do with that is fine with me, I support it all, <laughs> but chromosomes, they don't change. So we have those in common, but where we differ is in the types of orgasms that a man can have. You know, most men are really I would say, um, underperforming in the orgasmic arena. Most men have one ejaculatory orgasm, unless they're 18 and they have a very short refractory period and they can have multiple ejaculatory orgasms. Most men are kind of one and done and they're happy. So I often encourage guys to explore their back door. There's so much opportunity to expand their orgasmic pleasure when you add in prostate orgasms, which some people call the P-spot. So if you've heard of a P-spot orgasm, what they're really talking about is prostate stimulation, adding the blended uh, penile pleasuring with the prostate pleasuring can be really incredible. And just generally the perineal point, the anus, the rectum, these are all loaded with nerve endings that create pleasure. And there's a spot that the ancient Taoists talk about called the $1 million point. It's, a, it's essentially the perineum. And a man who feels like he's coming close to orgasm can press that spot and create what's called a retrograde ejaculation. A retrograde ejaculation means the ejaculate actually dumps back into the bladder rather than coming out the end of the penis. Now, there are some guys that have that problem and that's actually how they, how they ejaculate and they don't like it at all. But other men use this as a semen retention technique. Like any kind of orgasm, Kamal, I, I, I would say that it's important to understand that some men feel depleted 
when they ejaculate. Other men want to ejaculate every day and everything in sexuality is a big bell curve. And so what's what's right for one guy is the opposite of what another guy wants. Um, I think that's really important. There are also orgasms. One of the orgasms that I think is really important for the masculine is something that I call the heart gasm. I, um, I teach a lot of intercourse techniques because most men initially approach intercourse as kind of a thinking about their penis, like a piston going in and out, in and out, in and out. And though that's one technique, there are many, many things you can do with your penis during intercourse that provide incredible pleasure for her. And one of the most important ones is thinking about your penis in a way that I call a heart tongue. The penis doesn't have to be a pounding piston. It's actually a very soft and um, sweet and connected part of your body. And when you connect your heart to your penis and you think about your penis being an extension of your heart, and you think about your penis inside a woman being something where you're loving her and you're sending your love energy into her, she can actually feel that. For so many men, their penis is kind of disembodied from their heart. But when they begin to connect it and make love like their penis is a heart tongue, they end up having a heart gasm and not just something that's isolated to their nether regions. So I think that one's important. Another thing that men have as access to orgasm is their lips, their tongue, their mouth, their throat, their neck, whether it's getting a hickey in high school or getting off on um, deep kissing, French kissing, or when you go down on a woman, having it be incredibly erotically orgasmic to you, to the point where you're having orgasms in your, it feels like you're having orgasms and mouthgasms from it. Um, this is simply a learned skill that everyone can experience. And another one for guys that I think a lot of men are missing out on are nipplegasms. Male, there are many men for whom nipplegasms are one of their very favorite types of orgasms. And nipplegasms are simply just connecting the pathways from your nipples to your brain and being open to having orgasmic pleasure from your nipples being played with. Um, so these are just some of the examples of the 20 kinds of orgasms that that the male-bodied partners in the world can have. And then, of course, women have all of those and they have their clitoral and their urethral and their blended and their vaginal orgasms. And they also have female ejaculatory orgasms because just like when a woman, when a man both urinates and ejaculates out of his urethra, a woman also can urinate out of her urethra, of course, and she can also ejaculate. Blood plasma is recruited down through the skein's glands. And when she has a, a contraction, it expels a liquid that isn't urine, just like when he ejaculates, it's not urine. So women have a lot of orgasmic capacity as well. You could spend your whole life just having all these kinds of orgasms and learning how to have them and creating new neural pathways to pleasure together. No, I like that you mentioned nipplegasms, especially for the men, because I know they're a thing for women. 
and men don't realize the orgasmic potential of their nipples because their yeah. breasts are not a matter of focus when it comes to sex or sexual experiences. They can be, and many men, they are a focus for many men, just not all men, <laughs> but they could be. <laughs> they can be, and that's what this is about. This is about mm -hmm. exploring the human orgasmic potential. So this is about letting people know that there are other things, other erogenous zones, other things they can do to mix it up, to bring excitement into their lives, especially in long-term relationships that yeah. can sometimes get boring. Yeah. We don't want boring. No, not at all. As a matter of fact, I was um, keynoting a conference on Saturday and I took the audience through what I call um, your personalized sex life plan, essentially helping people create their sex life bucket list. Because it, like anything, if you don't have a plan, you don't get anything done and you end up just doing the same old thing and you're not making forward progress. And with sexuality, there being so much to learn, you can definitely make forward progress if you have some ideas of fun things to do. That keeps it exciting between partners if you're lucky enough to have one and it increments your sexual skill, knowledge and pleasure. So it was really fun to take people through it. And it was funny at the end. Oh, I'm sure. I, uh, I uh, people came up to me and I said, well, so what was on the top of your sexual bucket list? And for many women, they what was on the top of their list? There were three things they said. The first one was many women said they would like to have female ejaculatory orgasms. They'd like to experience squirting. And then for other, and I've taught thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of lovers how to have this over the years, because I have a program called Female Liquid Orgasm. And it's videos that teach you step-by-step, -step, either with a partner or solo or with a toy, like a G-spot wand, how to give yourself the bliss of these, you know, release your feminine waters. And um, the second thing that women said they wanted was to have orgasms from intercourse without direct clitoral stimulation. Because one of the things that really annoys me is when other sex experts say, well, hey, if you can't have an orgasm from intercourse, just focus on other things. And I think to myself, well, if you're in a monogamous relationship with a male-bodied partner, he's going to want intercourse all the time, like every day if he's healthy. And if you're not having orgasms when you do that, or you have to put a toy or you have to touch your, your clitoral tip or what have you the whole time, then you can't really lose yourself and surrender to your pleasure. And because vaginal orgasms or orgasms from intercourse or penetration orgasms, these are the same different words for the same thing, because all that is a learned skill that requires enough engorgement of the erectile tissue in the female vulva to actually have the orgasm without direct clitoral stimulation the clit is basically the clitoris is wrapped around the vaginal opening. I mean, between the clitoral legs, the arms and the urethral sponge and the perineal sponge, you have a lot of erectile tissue around your vulva, around your vagina. And what women don't understand if they don't have an orgasm from intercourse, they think, oh, well, I'm just not the kind of woman who can have who can have an orgasm from intercourse. And then their partner's like, oh, I guess she's just the kind of person who can't have an orgasm from intercourse. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. You just haven't learned how yet. You just need to understand the beauty of engorgement and blood flow. That's what you need to do. So I think what's really important for women is to know that it's just possible to learn and that there's nothing wrong with them and that all it takes is a little practice. So women want that they wanted penetration orgasms and the third thing they said was 
I just want to do it all. I want to do everything on your list. Um, it's at sexlifebucketlist.com. You can download your own assessment there and, and go through it and see the things that look good to you. And it's fun to do with a partner and compare notes because what might be an, go on your list would be an A for that for you. And it might be something else might be a B, but if it ends up on your partner's list as an A, then you're probably going to want to support them in trying it. It might not be something you would, would be your first choice, but it could be your second choice and you could end up loving it. So that I thought was really interesting. And I talked to men and I said, what was on the top of your list? And they said, I would like to have prostate orgasms. Almost every guy either said, I want to learn how to have more stamina. I want to learn how to have P-spot orgasms, or I want to do prostate massage, even if it wasn't orgasmic. And then they were also interested in what, oh, becoming multi-orgasmic men, having full body male multiple orgasms without ejaculation, and then ejaculating when they want to, but not a moment before. So men were very interested in kind of that piece of their orgasm, which I thought was very interesting. No, that is interesting. And some of the topics you brought up that I find very interesting are also the topic about whether men want to or don't want to ejaculate and the whole concept that a lot of the tantric sex people have about retaining semen as sort of retaining their life force and not exhausting their body in some ways. But Mm -hmm. scientifically, the more you ejaculate, the lower your risk of prostate cancer. You've got to clean those pipes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and yet there are men for whom when they ejaculate, they get depressed. They feel sad. Some men cry after they come. And so I always leave room for a bell curve. For some guys, it's too depleting for them and they just don't want to do it. It's a very small number of people. For most men, I would say generally in today's day and age, because of pornography, most men are masturbating a little too much, especially to porn. And then they're losing their ability to get an erection. They're feeling depleted. They're not doing the things they want to do and creating the things they want to create in their lives. Mm -hmm. And they're having difficulty achieving erections with women, with real life women. And so- you know, it's it's really all over the map. Everything in sex is a spectrum from the guys who cry to the guys that are, you know, having too many ejaculations. Oh, absolutely. I think there has to be a happy medium to everything. Exactly. And I always say, you know, different strokes for different folks. And I always say, mm-hmm. you know, if porn is your thing, have at it. But again, how much is too much? I mean, if it's interfering with yeah. your daily life, there's a problem. If it's inter- interfering with your ability to have intimacy with your loved ones, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. And then, well, and I, yeah, go ahead. I also I also think with pornography that it's it's a it's a multi billion dollar business made to help men masturbate. It's a masturbatory support mechanism, and what I don't want is for men to think that's how women want to have sex, because it's created for men to visually get off. And it's not what we want as in the bedroom. I mean, every once in a while, we might want some of those things in the bedroom, but there's such a broader scope of heart connected, passionate lovemaking techniques than the things that men see on porn that I've always felt like I'm kind of I don't know. I'd say Kavala, I'm kind of like the antidote to porn. I'm the one who can show you how to make love to a woman. And and that's really where I've spent my last 20 years is creating techniques that help men connect their heart to their lovemaking. As it should be. 
Yeah. Now you brought up different kinds of female orgasm. And it's interesting that studies have shown that only 18% of women have vaginal orgasms. So with these tools you're giving women, they are Mm -hmm. more likely to reach their true orgasmic potential. Oh, yeah. 100% of women can have orgasms from intercourse. It's just, honestly, it's really understanding erectile function and having the time. You know, I use this, I have this funny little, I don't know, analogy that I use where obviously, you know what the erectile systems of a man's penis look like. They're like these straight shots. You know, I describe it as a banana and the fruit of the banana is the erectile tissue in a penis. It's almost all erectile tissue inside there. Yeah, straight pipes straight pipes and they get filled up fast. And when they get filled up, they lock off if he's healthy so he can maintain a firm erection. Where with us women, we have what I would call an English muffin. We have all these little nooks and crannies of erectile tissue between the crora and the vestibular bulbs and the urethral sponge and the perineal sponge and the clitoral shaft. And so we have all these different little parts of erectile tissue. And I explained to men that you have to take the muffin out of the refrigerator and you have to cut it. You have to put it in the toaster and you have to press it down and then it pops, but it's not quite brown enough. So you have to press it down again and then it pops up in the toaster. Then you've got cold butter and you've got to slice it off and you got to stick it on there and you got to mush the two sides together. And then you got to wait for the butter to melt into the nooks and crannies. And that's female arousal. Man, we're complicated. <laughs> It's so complicated. It's a lot of work. And I would say it's it's even it's not even that it's complicated, it's just slower. It is slower. it just takes us a while. And one of the things that I have really practiced in my sexuality, in my personal sexuality with my partner, is getting through, sitting through, being through, being with the discomfort that comes the impatience that comes from waiting for my body to get turned on. Even when I'm turned, even when I'm excited to be with my partner and excited to have sex and I'm looking forward to him penetrating me, I'm, I'm lying there while he's giving me a yoni massage, yoni being another word for the female genital system, a tantric lovemaking word, Y-O, and I, Yoni, um, my husband and I always start off our lovemaking with a good Yoni massage, 15, 20 minutes, and I can relax and get in my body and I lie there and receive and he rubs me and needs me and, you know, does all of the things that help bring blood flow to my vulva so that all my erectile tissue can get filled with blood so that I have my own, what I I think a good analogy for men is we get our clitoral erection. And, and I also really recommend for women to get turned on something called an everted erection, everted clitoral erection, everted means from the inside out. So rubbing the genitals with your hands, oral pleasuring. These are great. They're from the outside in. But when you kiss and you have breast and nipple play with a woman, it's a connected system that allows her to get turned on from the inside out. It actually brings blood flow to her clitoral erectile tissue structures 
from inside the body. So the kissing and the breast play and then the yoni massage, these are very important foreplay techniques so that a woman can do what I call crossing the gasm chasm. Um, Have you seen that TED talk from Dr. Lori Mintz called the orgasm gap? I have. And I've actually spoken about this in my own um, videos that there's quite the orgasm gap that not enough women are orgasming compared to the men. And also part of it, I think, is the fact that men achieve orgasm so quickly and that women need about 20 minutes to get there. So, you know, five minutes to 20 minutes, give or take, those are the rough numbers thrown about based on which study you look at. And there's a gap there. And the men come and not everybody is a giving lover and not everybody waits to get their partner at that point, like your husband does. Not, not every man does that, unfortunately. And, you know, to play the devil's advocate, I mean, how many women are truly educated about their own vaginal system? They're not. In fact, they don't always understand even where their clitoris is. It's sad, but it's very true. And a lot of what I do is educating women or, you know, as some people call them vagina owners. I still call them women. Um, But I try to explain to them how it works and how they actually have vaginal orgasmic potential because... You know, when I do the O shot, the orgasm shot, I am literally taking platelet-rich fibrin, which has growth factor from my patients, and injecting it painlessly into their clitoris for rejuvenation. But I also inject vaginally, because most people don't realize that the clitoris is almost horseshoe-shaped, and it extends down into the vaginal canal. And what people often refer to as the G-spot is really an extension of the ends of the clitoris. And that's why stimulating that area and injecting that area is having such great results with my patients is because they're truly, I mean, they're clitoral orgasms either way, but we're enhancing them and giving them more potential for more pleasure and more intimate health. Yeah. um, I've had six O shots or orgasm shots over the years. I'm 60 and I'm having the best sex of my life. And when I was about 55, I had my first O shot and I thought, oh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really sure I feel very much. And then I said, okay, I'm going to have my, I'm going to have a second one. Mm -hmm. And the second one, all of a sudden I was like, oh, okay. I really can tell the difference. And I think it was because I was so desiccated. My clitoral structure was so kind of atrophied from age that it took two shots for me to kind of recover from the aging and the atrophy and the desiccation that that naturally occurs. And then of course I had my third and my fourth and my fifth and my sixth. And there was a point at which I was like, wow, I, at this point, and I know we're going to have another, we're doing a two-part series and our second part, we're going to talk more about penis enlargement and clitoris enlargement. But I have a very meaty clitoral shaft and glands much meatier. It's it's probably, I'm going to say four times the size it was before I started the O shots. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people say, well, I went to so-and-so doctor and it did nothing. You've got to go to the right doctor. And when you find the right doctor to do this, like you did, you have so much improvement, such a transformation of the clitoris. And the other thing you mentioned that's great is that it took two to really see a difference. And I tell people that, that rejuvenation is not a one-stop shop. It doesn't just happen with one one shot, somehow going to magically reverse years of damage. It takes Mm -hmm. more than one. 
but yeah. boy, oh boy, can they do magic. Yeah. And, and I had, uh, I had a tear somewhere along the line in my introidal sphincter, the opening to my vagina and the PRP really fixed that up. And I had wonderful reversal of urge incontinence from my O shots. And it's funny, it's come back again now. And I thought, oh, I better get another O shot. I need to fix that urge incontinence. You know, if I think about peeing, I'm like, oh my God, I have to pee right away. I hate that. Well, come it on over. Crazy. Come on over, yeah, sister. Exactly. Let's do it. I'm Dr. <laughs> sex Fairy, and you're the sex it's- coach. We should, we should join. I should do your O shot and you should t- teach me some tricks. <laughs> that sounds good. See? So- yeah, but I, I do think that the, um, the other thing people don't understand about PRP is that it, it takes, for me, what I've noticed is it takes a good 90 days to gain full effect. People think that you're going to get this shot and you're immediately, and some of my girlfriends, I mean, I had a girlfriend who went and got an O shot and she said the minute she got it, she started getting super horny and her orgasms were incredible. And she was driving her husband crazy. And he was like, I will have sex with you once a day, but the rest of the time you have to masturbate with a sex toy because (laughs) I just can't, I'm busy right now. And she wanted to have, you know, she wanted to have sex three or four times a day because all of a sudden she got all this function back. For some women, they're lucky that they get it right away. And for other women, it's kind of like a slow burn. It just, it takes a while to reconstitute that tissue and to get those growth factors to build new tissue. It's like you said, Rome wasn't built in a day. And for some of us, it takes more than one, one time. I mean, I do PRP to, to my hair and my face as well. And I found doing, doing the PRP to my hair every 90 days three times in a row was what it really took to, for me to get my hair thick, like it was when I was 30, when I was 60, um, I lost half my hair from COVID at the po- post viral, I had a po- post viral hair loss. And I'm in that process now of regenerating my hair. I thought, well, all right, I lost it all after I'd done all this work and I got all this thick hair and it looked better than I'd looked since I was 30 years old. And then I got COVID and I lost 50% of my hair. You could see my scalp. And I thought, all right, well, I know what to do. I'll just grow it again. Darn it. Absolutely. So, you know, if you, if you can do it once, you can do it again. And I'm such a big believer in PRP for, I mean, I've had PRP in my thumb joint from a diving accident. I do the PRP facials. I do the PRP hair lifts. I do the O shots. I recommend the P shots for guys. My, my husband has gotten many P shots over the years and he's in fantastic shape between the acoustic wave and the P shots and the penis pump and all that stuff. But I know we're going to save penis enlargement and pumping for our second segment. Yes. Now what you said is again, on point, because just yesterday I did a, a vampire facial with PRF. I use the PRF because it's the fibrin is more concentrated, so I feel it does yeah. more. So yeah. I did that in both my hair and my face. I even injected mm-hmm. some in my lips because yeah, sure. it's not a filler, but it really plumps up your natural collagen. And it so it really helps. So, you know, I look like a bit of a puffer fish for a day, but, you know, it's all, all's well that, that ends well. Yeah. And, um, I put it in my hair and, you know, you said about losing hair and if you could grow it back once, you can grow it back again. Same thing happened mm-hmm. to me. I suffered from hair loss and, you know, 40% of women have visible hair loss by the age of 40. Mm-hmm. So it's a major issue and most people don't talk about it. Women will just part their hair differently. 
They will just uh, wear a wig or get extensions. But, you know, hair loss in women is a major thing. We don't expect it to happen to us because it's supposed to be a male thing. Bald men are okay, even sexy. A bald woman or a balding woman, oh, my God, it's traumatic to us. So I went through that, and then I grew back my hair with PRF and microneedling, and that's really what got me into rejuvenation to begin with, interestingly enough. And I got into Mm -hmm. hair transplant surgery and hair restoration, and I still do it. And uh, then I got cancer. Oh, no. I was lucky enough to be already a hair restoration specialist and, you know, doing sexual wellness when I was diagnosed. But I decided that everybody was telling me that I was going to lose my hair and I just wasn't up for that. And I was told by many people, you know, maybe you should just cut your hair and and accept the fact that you're going to have to shave it eventually. And maybe you should just shave it and give it to charity and, you know, that sort of thing. And I said, oh, hell no, 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 no. We're not doing that to my hair. I do enough charity on an ongoing basis, but not my hair. And I did cold cap therapy, and then I did PRF in my own office, and I did hydrofacial Keraviv, and here I am with a full, thick head of hair. And I had some significant chemotherapy, so my goodness, do I believe in PRF. It's so rejuvenative in so many ways. I even had it in my shoulder, just like you did in your thumb. I've had it in my shoulder. It worked beautifully. Yeah. It really does. I know. And uh, I'm so happy to have a kindred spirit talking about this because um, the more people we can encourage to do it, the more we can give people a new lease on their sex life and on uh, being pain-free. It's so important for people to understand that these what I love about PRP and PRF is it comes from our own body. Yes. It's endogenous growth factors. So, I mean, it's about the safest thing you could possibly do, and it works wonders. Yes. And, you know, as a doctor, my, my training is to always give people the positive and the negative, and I have to tell them all the bad things that can happen. And when I'm trying to have my consultations, I struggle to come up with anything negative to tell them, any possible yeah. side effects. I said, what are the side effects? I said, a great life. You know, a great sex life, yeah. great hair. I yeah. don't know what to tell you. There's not much you're, you're, that's going to go wrong. You're not going to be allergic to your own tissue for one. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, on, you know, a lot of men as they age, they have, well, and women, people. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have difficulty achieving climax in later life. Mm-hmm. They have, they lose sensation. And I'm not talking about people with diabetes for whom that is a big problem. They have essentially neuropathy. They, they, they can't feel any pleasure in their genitals because of the di- diabetic neuropathy. But for your average person who's reasonably healthy, if there are any left in America, um, I know that the O-shot increases orgasmic intensity for women. How would you say, where would you say the P-shot is with regard to increasing sensitivity for men? I think it does exactly the same thing, albeit differently. That's what I thought too. And mm-hmm. now with the, with the clitoris, because we're talking so much about, you know, the mighty clitoris, I, in fact, you know, always say that the seat of the female orgasm is the clitoris. And it's so ignored and so misunderstood. Now, people think that size matters only for men, but it matters for women too. So as a woman ages, it's not just her face that sags and goes to hell, so does the clitoris. It becomes Mm -hmm. smaller. Like you said, yours is now meatier. I like the fact that you use that word because it really brings home mentally what you're trying to say. 
Yeah. So for men, it's I have the a same big thing. fat clit. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's You're a fantastic thing, Kavel. <laughs> You're a lucky lady. And that's what I'm always trying to build in my patients. And what I'm trying yeah. to explain and educate that it's not just one O shot. I always say, listen, they say, how many do I need? How often do I need them? And come back every six months. That's what I say. And then they act yeah. like it's unreasonable. And I said, you not. go back for a dental cleaning every six months, at least in theory. Mm-hmm. Do you go for a, for a physical every now and then to your doctor on a regular basis? I mean, your clitoris is no different. You have got to service what serves you. Why is your car getting more attention than your own clitoris and your own vagina? It's sad to see. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for men, it's really the same thing because mm-hmm. they're losing sensitivity. Tissue is tissue. And yeah. it's not going to work as well as time goes on for multiple reasons. I mean, it's the same thing with hair follicles, right? Some are sleeping, some are awake. Same thing happening to cells down under. And with the P-shot, especially with the fibrin, which is more concentrated, you're using your growth factors to stimulate your stem cells. And a patient of mine explained it to me beautifully. He said, so basically, doc, what you're saying is that I end up with a younger penis. I said, that's true, actually, because your tissue is regenerating itself. You have new blood vessels forming. You are sensitizing those nerve endings all over again. So what it does for the women, it's really doing for the men as well. And male size, you know, I do so much enlargement, but I explain to them that, listen, you are naturally going to get smaller with age. It happens to everyone. That's why acoustic wave therapy, and we keep coming back to that, is so great because it helps bring that blood flow. It helps pump it through those pipes, you know, those straight pipes that men have. It's so easy to break down those blockages and get blood in. And it helps maintain penis size long-term. And it helps that sensitivity we were talking about. And I like to combine the two because I feel like I'm fertilizing the soil. So exactly. If, you know, yeah. So the PRP really is. is an accelerator mm-hmm. to the acoustic wave yeah. treatments. So yeah. Why I, wouldn't yeah. you, you do both, man. You yeah. should do them both. They stack. They do stack. And I always tell yeah. people one plus one doesn't equal two. It equals five or six. And they look at me yeah. like I'm crazy. But then they do it because they trust me and they say, you know what? I get it now. It's like they see the light. Yeah. You know, I hang out with a lot of, I'm going to call them like celebrity influencer athletes. And um, because I'm in health, I think about myself as a health entrepreneur. I, I mean, my my title is intimacy expert to millions or my professional titles are CEO of the two companies we run. But I really feel like I'm a health entrepreneur and that sexual health is just a part of our overall health. For sure, you don't have any libido if you're not healthy. I mean, the first thing that goes is your libido. It's the, another side of the same coin. And a lot of these bodybuilders and you know, uh, health coaches and f- big famous celebrity brands, they go in every six months to a year and they get their acoustic wave, they get the, and they pump their penis and they get their PRP and they're taking their testosterone and they're taking their nitric oxide and they're running the stack because there's no difference between building the bicep and building the tissue in your penis. And they get it better than anybody else. And they have the money to do it and they want the function and the form. They don't want they don't want their penis to shrink when the rest of their body is still big. Oh my God. I always say that. This is amazing that you're saying this. My goodness. Like soul <laughs> sisters here. We are kindred spirits. I am aren't not we? even <laughs> kidding. I explain to people, I say, you have got to pump. And they look at me and say, Well, that's sick. I don't do that. I said, No, 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 you don't understand. You're exercising the muscle. You're exactly. bringing good blood flow in. You're helping it, yeah. helping it get to where you need need it to be. And yeah. I always tell them, Your bicep wasn't built in a day. Why should your penis be any different? Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I'm going to talk about our my 13-week protocol on our next segment. Yes, and before uh, we end this one, I want to mm-hmm. talk to you about, um, you know, the whole concept of orgasmic cross-training that you do. Yeah, yes, orgasmic cross-training. I actually got that term from one of my mentors. I have been so lucky to have incredible mentors my whole life, both business mentors and sexuality mentors. And Sherry Winston, who wrote what I think is the seminal book on women's arousal, it's called The Women's Women's Anatomy of Arousal. And um, she was the one who introduced me to this term called orgasmic cross-training, where she said, if you want to learn how to have a new kind of orgasm, have the one you're having and add in the things for the new orgasm, and you'll start to create new neural pathways for your body to be able to have the next kind of orgasm. And then over time, I got very involved in sex technology because I want people to solo pleasure as frequently as possible. And I want people to incorporate sex toys in their lovemaking. There's no reason there's it doesn't just because you add a vibrator into intercourse, for example, doesn't mean that you're doing a bad job without it. It just takes advantage of the fact that we live in the 21st century and we have access to these incredible things. So I've become quite knowledgeable about sex technology and sex toys. And one of the things that I realized, um, I don't know, it was probably last summer when I was really deep diving into into orgasm is that there are five or six different types of sex toys that women can use to orgasmically cross train. Um, There's the air stimulators like the womanizer. There's the liquors like the Volta. There's the um, urethral sponge and intravaginal type of, um, you know, someone, some people would call that a G spot. It's not a spot. It's a whole area. It's all attached to the clitoral structure, the urethral structure, perineal structure. It's a system. So I I don't, I don't like you, uh, you, uh, both of us are like, well, G-spot's what people know, so I use it, but I, it, it's such a limiting concept that, you know, if we, if we would think about the, the vagina being just completely embraced like a bracelet of erectile tissue, women would be so much further ahead. But, you know, intravaginal roof of the vagina, there's some really sweet spots up there that are great for female ejaculation, et cetera. So that um, thrusters and pulsators, which go intravaginally or rabbits that are two motors, one on the inside, one on the outside simultaneously. So you're, you're, you're activating all the tissue. I mean, my husband can take one fingertip and run it from the top of the hood of my clitoris down the edge of my labia to the bottom, to the foreshad. And I can have an orgasm the entire time. He's slowly tracing his finger along that edge because I've activated it. I didn't used to be able to have an orgasm from someone doing that to me, but I can now. All of that tissue is hungry for stimulation and touch. So whether it's an air stimulator or a buzzy vibe or a rumbly vibe or an internal vibe or a vibe that's doing the the roof, you know, the right at the entrance to the vagina and the the roof of the vagina, um, what you would most people would consider the G spot. Um, all of these things help a woman expand her orgasmic portfolio. It helps her activate all of these 
areas of her vulva. I mean, even just stroking the mons is orgasmic for me. I can literally have an orgasm just from my husband swiping his fingers back and forth across the fatty tissue on my pubic bone. And every woman has access to this. And then you take sex tech for men as well. Men have the sleeves and they have the prostate tools. And there's really starting to be, um, there's um, cock rings with perineal uh, vibrators on them so that a couple can both have their own vibrator as part of the cock ring. That's the um, pulse duo from hot octopus, which is just incredible. It has a remote control. I mean, there's just so many things. So I encourage people to have lots of different types of sex toys and to use many different types of sex toys, because whether you're with a partner and you're just using fingers and hands and tongues and penises and, and things like that, or you're incorporating these toys into it, you're ultimately expanding your pleasure potential. And incredible pleasure potential it is. <laughs> so Susan, tell me, how can people learn from you if they want to reach out to you? What orgasm techniques do you have programs for? Well, I have three that I think are probably the fundamentals for advanced orgasm technique. One of them is called Expand Her Orgasm Tonight. It's, of course, it's at expandherorgasmtonight.com. And it's a clitoral stroking technique that allows a woman to learn essentially how to be a big wave rider in orgasm. It allows her to go into the moment of orgasm. And instead of having a very short climax, she is able to take that moment of climax and expand it like stretching time, like time becomes taffy that you're pulling out. And um, you ride that orgasm and expand your capacity capacity for orgasm. The second one is female liquid orgasm, which is the female ejaculatory or squirting as it's called in pornography orgasms. And that's the number one thing most women want that they haven't had. They've heard about it. They're interested in it. They want to release their divine nectar. And that's a really nice program. And then the third one is at tuning fork tip. And that's how to become a multi-orgasmic man who has full body orgasms and has what I call ejaculatory choice, which is essentially you decide or you, you come when you want to, or you come when she begs you to, instead of worrying about coming too fast, which is what one in four men struggle with, you have everlasting stamina and you can have multiple full body energy orgasms and then release your ejaculate whenever you want to. And I think those are three really good techniques that I've published for many years that have helped thousands and thousands and thousands of people up their pleasure game. That is incredible. Thank you so much for joining oh, me yeah. today. And my goodness, we have to do so many follow-up episodes. We have to talk about squirting for one. Yeah, for you sure. Know? And I'm I an love, expert in that. Yeah, there you go. And I love what you said, the orgasmic portfolio. So much, yeah. so much to strive towards. But thank you, Susan. Thank you for coming to the podcast today. And I look forward to part two with you. I hope you enjoyed the Dr. Sex Fairy podcast today. I would love to continue this conversation with you. If you would like to get in touch with me, email me at askme at drsexfairy.com. Don't forget to follow this podcast and leave me a five-star review. And make sure you follow my blockbuster hit TikTok account, Dr. Sex Fairy.